This podcast was brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Dr. Dawn on Careers. Sirius XM Channel 132. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham, and I lead career coaching for the executive MBAs at the Wharton School. I'm also a licensed psychologist, former corporate recruiter, and author of the book Switchers, How Smart Professionals Change Careers and Seize Success. And we are here live with Dana and Dion all hour. So if you want to join the conversation, you can give me a call at 844-942-7866 because Thursdays, at noon Eastern are all about you, and we want to hear all of your tips, career questions, job search conundrums, so that we can help you find a fantastic job at 844-942-7866. Switchers are the future of work, and the future of work is here. Are you ready to reinvent? We are here all hour talking about that and taking your calls at 844-942-7866. And to help us with the conversation today, we have a special guest. Bill Leonard is an employment matchmaker, and he's also a recruiter, job search strategist, career coach, and head of Leonard Workforce Solutions, which helps businesses and individuals achieve their goals. He's also a longtime listener and contributor to this show. So, Bill, we are so happy to have you on on air. Thank you so much, Don. I'm thrilled to be with you. So this is great. I love your term employment matchmaker, Bill. Tell us what that is. And I know a lot of people are thinking I might need that right now. (laughs) Sure, sure. So I match job seekers to opportunities and employers to candidates the same way you would match people socially. I mean, I have meaningful conversations with job seekers and employers to gain insight Uh, so that it can match them to each other based on mutual strengths and needs, motivation, values, and fit. And I really like to go beyond the resume and beyond the job description and and see, you know, deep down really what's going on and and put people in in a a position that's going to allow them to be successful. So this is great because I think I think the world needs more of you, Bill, because we need to find ways to get past the the algorithms and the applicant tracking systems. While I know they have their purpose, what it really comes down to is is things that a computer can't necessarily assess. So so if you had to pinpoint, Bill, what what kind of that magic sauce is that you're like, yes, this is going to be a good connection. What is it for you? Well, I think it's, you know, when a, when a candidate, uh, a, a job seeker is very clear about uh, what they want, what they have to offer uh, to a company, um, I think that that's really, really helpful. Um, and so same, same thing from an employer, right? When they know exactly the, the skills and the qualities and the characteristics of a high performer or someone who's going to be successful at their company, when they're crystal clear, it's very easy to make that match. When people, you know, come to myself or any other sort of career coach and they're really unsure about what they want to do or who they are, that takes a lot of work. So you really have to find that out. But when people are have a lot of clarity on what they want to do, um, it's a lot easier to make that match. Yes. The lines are open at 844-942-7866. Do you have clarity about what you want to do or do you just know you want to do something different? Because if you're not quite sure, that's going to be a major first step in being successful in your job search. You need to have clarity of your goal. You also need to have clarity of how your skills and achievements will help your employer to achieve the the uh, solutions to the problems that they're having. So if you're thinking, mm, 2021 is definitely my year to start something new, but hmm, I have no idea what that is. You need to call us, 844-942-7866. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. You're listening to SiriusXM 132, and we are so excited to be here with Bill Leonard, the employment matchmaker who can help you figure out if it's a good fit. So I'll be honest, Bill, what, what I see when I look at job ads, I see them growing. I see them you know, expanding, not necessarily getting more more clear, but, uh-huh. but throwing on more and more requirements that they want in a candidate. And I think this is pretty intimidating. So I'm wondering, because you work with employers, 
you what what you're seeing do do employers really want you to have what used to be maybe 5 to 7 core requirements or now 15 plus core requirements are these really necessary to land the job well it's funny i think that uh, employers are stuck in that mentality about just adding um, the, those competences that they're looking for, right? So the knowledge, the skills, and abilities. But when I talk to employers, you know, I, I say, do they really need a bachelor's degree or associate degree will do? Um, do they really need those 10 skills or will, like, the top seven do? And usually they're like, no, you're right. Like, I, they don't necessarily need that bachelor's degree. If they have some experience in an associate degree, I could work with them. I could train them. So I think so many people, so many employers are still in that routine of just going through the motions or reposting that old job ad, um, and they're not really thinking about, you know, the today's labor market, right? And we know that there are a lot of job seekers out there with two-year degrees and a lot of experience and skills, or maybe, you know, they, they did some learning online or some short-term training, and those people could hit the ground running, right, because they have relevant, um, marketable, and useful skills, and they just need someone to give them a chance and look beyond those credentials that employers are so used to looking for. I think that's so true. And I, I here's here's where I foresee the future for for the workforce and education. I think what, what has been the norm is we go to school, maybe we get a four-year degree, and this sustains us throughout our professional life, even though we may get a certification here or there. For the most part, we've been taught that, that you know, we invest a lot in school up front, and this is going to launch us into a career that's going to take us to retirement. What I think is going to happen, and we're seeing this already, Bill, is that these big companies are saying, look, you don't even need a four-year degree. You maybe need a certification, or maybe you just need to prove you can do what we're asking you to do, and we're going to bring you on because the skills are what's most important to us. And I think what's going to happen is as we move forward, unless there's a major shift in education, which I think there needs to be, people are going to skip the four-year degree because they know Mm -hmm. that investing in their career is going to be a lifelong process. So you're not going to invest all your money and get everything up front when, in fact, you're going to have to start a job, learn, get some education, make a pivot, start a job, learn, maybe get some more education. And so I think this is going to be the cycle where everybody's going to be a switcher. Education's going to be an ongoing um, periodic thing for everybody. And, and you know, we're going to to make a big shift. I'm curious what you, what you foresee. No, I agree. I, th- I think it's the same thing. And actually, I have a tip for job seekers out there, right? So if you don't have the credentials, um, maybe the degree or the you know ten years experience that someone's looking for, you know my suggestion would be to actually show the hiring manager or the recruiter that you could do the job. So like, there's nothing that's stopping people from creating videos, right? Creating websites. So if you want to be a chef, there's nothing stopping you from creating a YouTube channel showing you making all these awesome recipes. If you want to be a welder, but maybe you don't have an associate degree or a certificate, but you do have that real-world experience, um, you could go ahead and like film a bunch of videos and show them that you actually have those skills and experiences. So nothing is preventing you from actually showing them that you could do the job. I think that's a great tip, Bill, because what I always tell people is if what you're doing isn't working, then you have to do something else. And most people apply online. It's demoralizing and frustrating because even if they're pretty qualified for the job, they get knocked out in the ATS process. Um, you know, the applicant tracking system decides they're not enough of a match or that job's already spoken for internally. So they never hear anything back and they think, what did I do wrong or do am I not skilled in this market? And the fact is, if that's not working, start doing the opposite of what everybody else is doing. Your idea about creating videos. I mean, online has created an entire platform for all of us to showcase our skills, our thought leadership, and our our, um, abilities in different ways. So I love that idea. I mean, think about things like a boomerang career. Think about, hey, who have I worked for in the past? And are those companies hiring? Because maybe I can go back to a company I worked for previously into a different role because they know me and I knew the company. Think about you know, talking to people who maybe are in a company who has been in the news and has been talking about growth or merging or different things. Because if a company is in motion for some reason, it's chances are they're going to be hiring for something. So pay attention to what you're seeing out there on the news and think about, hmm, that company's in motion. Either they're growing or they're merging or they're transforming or they've gotten a new leadership 
leadership team, any company that is in motion likely will be hiring in the not too distant future. So if you're paying attention to these things and coming at the job search in different ways than everybody else, you're going to find opportunities that aren't readily available to the public. 844-942-7866. Hey, what do you think is going to happen with the future of jobs? What do you think is going to happen in 2021? Do you think that education is going to become an ongoing thing? Do you think four-year degrees are going the way of the fax machine? What do you think? 844-942-7866. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. We are here on SiriusXM 132 with Bill Leonard who is the employment matchmaker talking about how you can find a great role in 2021. So, okay. So I I you have you publish a lot of blogs which I which I love and I read them. Um and I like one of your ideas too around we were talking about how the job search can just in general be demoralizing and you talk about joining or forming a job club. Um tell me about why you suggest this and how it helps. Sure. So, you know, for those of your, your listeners who don't know, a job club is a group of job seekers who come together to basically share information, offer support, and provide feedback and guidance. Um, and with the job club, you could harness the, the collective energy, information, connections, knowledge, and wisdom of the group. Um, because, you know, job searching can be a lonely proposition. Um, so I'm of the belief that, you know, it's better to do it with other people. Um, you know, you could, they can help you achieve your workforce goals, your job search goals, um, combat that loneliness. And it's really not that difficult, Don. I mean, you really just need to get a couple of job seekers together, ask them to bring relevant information and opportunities to the table, and you go about helping each other. And some of these job clubs already exist. You know, you could, you know, probably find them through your local chamber of commerce or your local career one-stop or career links. Um, but there's nothing preventing any of your listeners from getting together with other job seekers and forming their own job club because that support is really going to help them, you know, their mental health, their confidence. So I think it's really, really important, and it just provides you more information so you could hopefully be successful in your job search. I completely agree with that idea because I always look at the job search as a social activity, whereas that's not the general mentality. Most people, when they're in a job search, are, you know, they don't want to talk about it. They want to change the subject. They they hope nobody asks them about it because there's there's a sense of, of embarrassment, perhaps, or shame. But, but trust me, as somebody who's been laid off twice and who has been in a job search and has received help from others and obviously is very open to giving help to others. I I think if we all approach this bill as a, you know, we're all going to go through multiple job searches in our professional careers. And so if we're all helping one another when we come to those transitions, just think about how many more opportunities there would be for everyone if we made this more of a social process where it's like, hey, this is pretty normal. Everybody's changing jobs and moving around and um, trying new things and getting introductions. So why why is it that, that we feel like it's it's such an activity that we have to hide, Bill. Yeah, well, people do feel that way, unfortunately, because, you know, you, you do sort of lose confidence. You feel a little bit embarrassed. Maybe your, you know, your friends are working and they're successful and you, you feel like an outcast a little bit. So what happens is people typically shrink, right? They, they stop reaching out to their friends. They, st- they stop going out. And that's the exact opposite of what people need to do, right? When, when you're in a job search, you need to be going out more. You need to be connecting more. You need to be reaching out to your friends and your contacts and your former colleagues more. Uh, so more, more, more of reaching out and less of doing things on your own in 2021. Yeah, no, have to do it, have to do it. And I think I think you'll be pleasantly surprised because we know that many, many, many opportunities are never posted online. Mm-hmm. So think about all that you might be missing out on if you just if you avoid that conversation. 844-942-7866. You are listening to SiriusXM Channel 132. And did you know SiriusXM is now a new destination for original and popular podcasts? You can hear exclusive new original podcasts from Marble and every other widely known podcast like Barstool Sports, Comedy Central, ESPN, NPR, TED Talks, and hundreds more. So it's all on the SiriusXM app. Free for most subscribers, so download it today and then just tip podcast. 
844-942-7866. You're listening to SiriusXM, and we are talking all about job search and career. If you are finding yourself stuck, we want to help. 844-942-7866. Or maybe you have a tip. Maybe you have created a job club or joined a job club, and it has helped you. We want to hear. 844-942-7866. So another uh, blog that you wrote, Bill, that I love is you talk about when you're going through a job search to do a pre-mortem. Um, so most people have heard post-mortem, and, but I like that you're talking about doing a pre-mortem. What, what inspired this idea, and, and what is a job search pre-mortem? Sure. So you know, pre-mortem is a, a strategy of, of imagining ahead of time that, that your, your job search maybe has failed. And then working backwards to identify the potential reasons for failure, right? So rather than going through something and not working and then trying to figure out what happened, you know, at the beginning, imagine, hey, I was not successful in my job search. What are the potential reasons for me not being successful, right? So, you know, an example could be I didn't spend enough time on my job search. So if you know that ahead of time before you even start, you could come up with a solution, right? Um, dedicating a certain amount of hours, perhaps, to your job search. Um, you know, maybe one of the reasons is you weren't pursuing the right type of jobs. So if you know that ahead of time, that that could be a potential barrier, um, you know, one of the solutions could be to do some you know, skill assessments and some uh, values and interest assessments. Um, you know, if, if you didn't get any or many interviews, um, so maybe you're not doing the right type of job search. Maybe you're not networking. Um, and, and finally, you know, if you had a few interviews but no job offers, it's, you know, people get in those situations, right? They say, well, I've gotten interviews, but I haven't gotten that job offer. You know, you're probably not doing enough interview preparation. But So if you know all of that stuff ahead of time, doing a pre-mortem, you could preemptively, you know, find solutions to those potential problems so they never even come up. I like it because it's this idea, Bill, of plan to fail almost, (laughs) like plan Mm -hmm. as if you're going to fail and come up with all of these ideas to get over those hurdles, which I have to imagine, I've not done a pre-mortem, but I love this idea of of thinking through all the ways this could potentially go wrong and then coming up with a plan for them because I would imagine it would help with the, the motivation and just the general attitude and approach to your job search because if you have some ideas ideas about how this could go wrong and it does because you didn't network enough or because of something you put in your pre-mortem then you know already that there's a solution right that's right absolutely and you want to find those solutions out ahead of time rather than after the fact because sometimes you only get one chance with a particular job or a particular employer in an interview so you you know you want to make the most of every opportunity so you want to find out the potential reasons for or the reasons for potential failure, and then find out those solutions at the beginning. Um, and these are things that any you know career coach or a mentor or a friend could help you through. Again, all of this stuff is on my website and my LinkedIn. If anybody wants to read about it, but you know a lot of this stuff is practical. Um, a lot of it I've been through, so I'm writing about experiences and you know or experiences of people I know. Um, so I encourage your listeners um, you know to, to check out. Uh, some of my writings here because I do believe some of this stuff can help um, some job seekers out there. Yeah, if you're not following Bill Leonard on LinkedIn, definitely do that and tell them where they can find your website and Twitter and all that fun stuff, Bill. Sure. So my website is leonardworkforcesolutions.com. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm Bill Leonard uh, in Scranton, Pennsylvania. And on Twitter, I'm at the Bill Leonard. Fantastic. 844-942-7866. If it's Thursday noon Eastern, we are taking all of your career and job search questions live right now on SiriusXM channel 132. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. And if you want to follow what we're doing here at SiriusXM, you can find me on Twitter at Dr. Don Graham. And we are going to go to the phones with Alan in Florida. Alan, welcome to the show. What's on your mind today? Uh, Can you hear me okay? Yep, we can hear you, Alan. Well, I'm calling on behalf of my daughter, who's about to graduate uh, in the spring, and uh, she's uh, in a finance degree, and uh, she's trying to make a decision about, uh, you know, getting her master's or not, and then she's also just not a really, she's not a real outgoing person, um, but she's an extremely good student. I mean, she probably has all, probably has a 3.9 GPA. But when she's not getting a whole lot of help from the school as to how to really, especially with the COVID on top of everything, there's not being, you know, 
you're just not getting any help. And I just wonder what advice you would give someone coming out of school, you know, what they need to do uh, to get a job and uh, to get the job they want. <laughs> yeah, no, that there's a lot of unpacking to do here, Alan, because your your daughter is thinking, should I get a job? Should I, you know, stay and get my master's? She's a really good student, but maybe networking is not her thing. And on top of all of that, perhaps the, the job fairs and other types of activities that might be available on campus are are maybe not there because of COVID. So there's, there's definitely a lot going on here. And I think we should, maybe, Bill, we should address these questions individually Julie. So, yeah. um, so I'll let you start, Bill. You could pick one or pick them all. <laughs> well, well let, let's talk about you know like the, the job search, right? So I, you know, when I'm talking with clients, and regardless of age, you know, what what I I tell them is to, you know, develop a list of maybe ten to fifteen companies you want to work for that you could see yourself at. Uh, maybe two to three different industries, and network your way into those companies, right? So, you know, you mentioned your daughter is maybe not outgoing, maybe a little bit shy and an introvert, and that's exactly how I was for most of my life. One piece of advice that, you know, you may want to give her is to find an outgoing friend, right? Find a a wing woman or wing man that she can go to uh, maybe networking events or events in the community where some of these organizations that she's targeting are going to be at, right? So if she's looking to work for a bank, a lot of banks are very active in their local communities. Um, They're sponsoring different events and, and things of that nature. So it's very easy to find out through social media where these organizations are going to be, maybe on a weekend or an evening because they're sponsoring events. You know, your daughter and a friend or two of hers can go to these events and, and introduce herself to the people who work there to start to build those relationships. So I think it's networking is so, so important. She should also utilize, you know, her, her friends, uh, you know, if she has finance major friends, you know, where are they potentially getting jobs? Where are they interviewing? I think that's also helpful. Yeah. I, and I, I want to add on to that, too, that if, if she is more introverted, Alan, then what's your daughter's name, by the way? Mary. Mary. Okay. So if, if Mary is more introverted and more focused on, you know, studies and, and things like that, I mean, she might find that social media, uh, maybe LinkedIn is a place that she feels more comfortable because she can maybe write a note to somebody um, and kind of start the ball rolling that way. Being that she is graduating, usually the alma mater, all of her, her alumni um, colleagues are a great place to start because they have something in common. So if, if she's not yet searched the alumni database for people who are working in the locations where she wants to work, that can be an immensely helpful thing. And I, and as for the graduate degree, I know it's very tempting to stay in school when it's something that's comfortable for you, you're good at it, and the alternative is facing a job search, which is scary and requires networking. But I would ask myself, are there really legitimate reasons for staying in school for another two years to get a master's or is it really just avoiding the inevitable? Because that job search is going to to still be there two years from now. And the reality is, um, while you know education's great, if it's going to be done remotely, it's not going to be doing a lot to enhance that network, which it sounds is like what your daughter really needs right now. She needs to start building those connections and quite frankly, building experience. Has has Mary had any internships, Alan? No, I think she was looking into it. And then with the COVID hit, it was just not good timing. And um, no, she hasn't really done any internships. And uh, I, I mean, I think that's just a whole part of this whole issue of you know, she's uh, uh, she was doing some she was networking some before the COVID started. And uh, let me ask you a specific question, because I thank you all so much for that information. She just asked me this yesterday, so she still wants to apply. And I think you're right about the master's. But, but she asked me a simple question. Um, I need to get uh, letters of recommendations for my master's and probably for my application for a new job. Do you get the instructor to write, the, is it the same letter of recommendation, or do you ask an instructor 
to write two different letters of recommendation? Like, that's a simple practical stuff that we don't know. Yeah. Like, no. How would you answer that? So, yeah. So if she's going for her master's, um, it's a, a faculty member typical to write a, a letter of recommendation. If she is applying to jobs in the market, certainly a faculty member who knows her work well and has has, you know, worked with her closely could be a potential reference. But more often than not, employers are not looking for for letters of recommendation. They're they're um, they're more looking for somebody they can speak to who can vouch Uh for behavior. So, yeah, she can get a couple. I think that would be great to have in her portfolio. But that said, she's going to probably need somebody who's going to get on the phone with her or phone with her potential employer. Honestly, I think she's going to benefit if she's not had internships from practical experience because obviously learning finance in the classroom is very different than applying finance in the real world. And I would hate for her to spend two more years doing great at school, which I'm sure she would, just to get out and say, ugh, finance in the real world isn't what I thought it would be or it's not the right environment for me. So I would love for her to to use this time, especially while we're we're all learning remotely and, and you know, the learning situation is not as ideal because you're not meeting people and, and, you know, getting to know your classmates. I would rather her get a job in just about anything to gain experience and exposure. So even if she works in a bank but not in finance or even if she works in a financial institution, um, you know, even as, as somebody working the front desk, just to get that exposure to people in the industry, to get exposure to what the culture is like, to get really real world experience so that she can really start to figure out, is finance my path? Does this fit? Does this feel good? Can I see myself getting excited about this from what I'm seeing around me? Or maybe, maybe if I decide to go back to school and get a master's, I want to do something completely different like psychology because this is just not my my thing. Bill, do you want to add anything? Well, I com- I completely agree, right? If she were to go to get her master's degree now and, you know, come out of school and say, well, I have a master's degree, and an employer says, well, you know, have you, do you have any real-world practical experience? And she says no, you know, it's, it's, it's still going to be challenging for her, even with a master's degree, right? So, you know, I'm a big advocate of you, if you can get into the workforce and work for a few years um, and then maybe go back to school part-time while you're working, I think that just, it, it enhances, um, you know, you, the way you feel about your education, your work, and if you think about it, as a student in a master's program, if you know you have a few years of work experience underneath your belt, you're actually going to be a better student. And Don could probably speak to this, but you know you're going to bring so much into the classroom by having worked before. Because right now she's probably just bringing you know uh, you know her undergrad experience into the classroom as a graduate student. So I would absolutely agree with Don. And I think, um, you know, working is the way to go right now. Yeah, and not to mention that, um, you know, bringing bringing that uh, that experience into the classroom, it's possible that an employer may pay fully or partially for her master's degree after she's been working there for a few years. So there's financial benefits. And, I, you know, your daughter, Mary, sounds a little bit like me. When I was an undergrad, I was really good at school. I, was, I am and was an introvert. And I thought, I want to get my PhD. I want to get my PhD. And and I want to go into neuroscience. And I know this. And this is what I want to do. And I had a very wise professor say, hey, back up. Why don't you go work for a few years and then see if this is what you want to do? And I was like, no, no, I know, of course, because I'm 20 and I know, right? Um and this is what I'm good at, but but I did that. I ended up I ended up doing that. Um, honestly, I applied to to PhD programs. I didn't get in. I'll tell you, I did it. Um, and they were probably smarter than me at the time. And I went and worked, and I started working in marketing and HR and recruiting, and I just loved it. I'm like, this is for me. And you know, being in a lab working with rats, while well, I did do that for a short time, was not for me. Um, and that's what the neuroscience five years would be working with, with uh, lab animals, and I'm like, this is not the environment that I like. So I'm so thankful to him, uh, Michael Vigorito. Shout out. Um, for, for coaching me in that way, because even though you might think you love something, once you get into the real world and you see what else is out there, boy, does that make a difference. Boy, does that make a difference. Alan, um, is that helpful? Yeah, y'all been very uh, generous there. I appreciate your time. And um, 
I, I, it, it's changed my mind a little bit because I was kind of pushing her toward the master's route, and it's got me thinking about a few things. And so um, I and appreciate Alan, the opinion. If I, could, if I could add one more thing, Alan, I would encourage her to do some informational interviews, right, if she hasn't already done that. So speak to people. Uh, in the, the target roles that she would be looking at. And, you know, she could ask that question. Do you think I need to get my master's degree to obtain the position you have? Or, you know, um, you know, do I not need to do that? So I think, you know, those informational interviews where she can learn about the roles from the people actually doing them are very, very helpful. And sometimes that will sort of tell you whether you need that educa- that additional education right now. Yep. Great point. So yeah, so it's Alan, it sounds like you you and Mary have some things to think about. Um, here's here's the great news is that the show, uh, you can get the show on the SiriusXM app. And that way, if, if your daughter is anything like me, Alan, my dad could not tell me what to do or, or give me advice when I was that age. But so if you need for her to hear it uh, on the radio, we can do that. But anyway, Alan, thank you so much. We wish Mary all the best. I think she's got um, a lot of exciting things in her future and no doubt she is going to do great things in the world. So Alan, thank you so much for giving us a call here. This is what we're here for. If you got a question, we want to help you think through the bigger picture. 844-942-7866. We we're here all hour if it's Thursday noon Eastern. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. We're here with Bill Leonard, the employment matchmaker. And Dion, it's time, it's time, it's time for our pre-break quiz. Quiz. There's a quiz. So, of course, Thanksgiving is upon us, even though it might look very different in 2020. I had to pick a Thanksgiving-themed quiz. So, according to a national survey by Thrillist, with over 55,000 people responding, the most popular Thanksgiving side dish is stuffing, I'm telling you, at 34%. The second is mashed potatoes at 33%. So what was the third most popular side dish for Thanksgiving? Think you know? 844-942-7866. You're listening to SiriusXM, channel 132. You're listening to Dr. Dawn on Careers. On Business Radio. Welcome back to Dr. Dawn on Careers, Sirius XM, Channel 132. If it's Thursday, noon Eastern, guess what? Taking your calls all hour long at 844-942-7866. If you missed the Thanksgiving-themed pre-break quiz, here it is again, just so you can think about it, noodle on it. All right. According to a national survey by Thrillist with over 55,000 votes, the most popular Thanksgiving side was stuffing. Second was mashed potatoes. But what was the third? And we're going to give you a little bit of time to think about that. What's the third most popular Thanksgiving side dish in the U.S.? 844-942-7866. Also, I wanted to let you know that Flex Jobs has just come out with a survey that has determined the 12 fastest growing occupations that have flexible options. Each of these is projected to grow at 21%, and some of the top ones are nurse practitioner, statistician, information security analyst, data scientist, and home health aide. So if you are looking for a career that is growing in 2021 and is flexible, you might want to check that out. 844-942-7866. We're very excited today to be here with Bill Leonard, who is is the employment matchmaker. He's also a recruiter, job search strategist, career coach, and head of Leonard Workforce Solutions, which is something that can help both businesses and individuals achieve their goals. Bill, we're so excited to have you here. We're talking about all of the great content you put out online, but especially this idea of employment matchmaker because a lot of people are thinking 2021 is going to be my year to make a change. So so excited to have you on SiriusXM and be talking about tips for job seekers. So I want to talk about another article of yours that really caught my attention and and it kind of tags on what we're saying about networking that you you wrote your network is your career GPS and I was like well that's interesting what do you mean by that Bill? Sure sure so 
want people to think about like their vehicle's GPS, you know, um, it'll help you reach your destination in whatever manner you desire. It could be the shortest route, fastest route, maybe avoiding highways. Um, you know, but your network could inform and guide your career journey to help you achieve career success. So what I mean by that is, you know, the people you surround yourself with, maybe your career board of advisors, maybe there's five or six people who, you know, you trust that conversations with, you know, they're going to tell you which on-ramp to take. So what do I mean by that? Maybe which companies to pursue, which industries to pursue. Um, They're going to tell you maybe when you need to exit an employer or industry. Um, You know, they're going to maybe tell you when you need to get in the passing lane and acquire some new skills. Um, They may be able to tell you and give you feedback to say, hey, slow down. You don't need to leave your company. You know, why don't you wait for that promotion? Or they may tell you, hey, you need to take a pit stop and reevaluate your career job search. Um, But they're going to provide you the information you need to reach your destination, right? You know, you you might need to take some back roads, some country roads. You know, you may need to pull off the road for a little while, but they're going to help you get there. Because if you're doing it all on your own, it's going to be a lonely, lonely, lonely journey. So I, this idea of career GPS, I have to say a lot of people probably think, I don't, you know, I don't get it, but I want to, I want to take what you just said, Bill, and say to, say to everyone who's listening, I have, I bet maybe you never thought about it this way, but it is absolutely true when you think about the people who encouraged you to take a job or introduced you to a job or how you got where you are today. Was it truly as planned out as you as you thought as you sat there and sketched it out? Or was it a series of happenstance based on interactions you've had, people you, you've met who encouraged you to move in a certain direction? And I think it, all of our careers are, are encouraged by this happenstance by the people around us. Which is is amazing because I think a lot of us don't look at it that way. But when you start to look at it that way, you start to think, okay, who am I talking to? Am I having these conversations? What conversations would be helpful? And and you know, what do I want to do for next steps? So I love this article, and I encourage everybody to check it out if you haven't, because it really does make a lot of sense of how you got to where you are today and how you'll get to where you're going tomorrow. We think a lot of this is all planned out and linear, but a lot of it is by chance based on who's around us and what conversations we're having. 844-942-7866. And we are so excited to have Bill Leonard on the show today. And we are so excited to have Dion in studio screening calls and answering our pre-break <laughs> It's fun in here. I know. I know. I can see you having a lot of fun in there, Dion. <laughs> it, it, it's an experience. Yeah. I, I, yes. Um, we can leave it at that. But I, I love watching your reactions. So I can only imagine what's happening in, in that booth over there. But let's talk about this pre-break quiz because it's Thanksgiving. It's for some of us lunchtime, getting hungry. What do you think, according to this survey, was the third most popular side dish for Thanksgiving. If we know the number one was stuffing, number two is mashed potatoes, what did Americans say is the third? Okay, so I have an answer. Yes. But I, I want to go back to Alan's call, though. Mm-hmm. Because I'm trying to picture you in a lab coat, like oh, cutting no. open a rat or a frog. I can't see it. Okay. All right. True confession. So here's the deal. I did. I did work in a rat lab, and I became very fond of my rats. And part of the reason, of you did. yeah, part of the reason I didn't go into neuroscience because what I didn't realize in the lab, and I'm sorry for all the animal lovers out there, because I am a big one. At the end of an experiment, so you don't contaminate the next experiment, you have to extinguish the subjects. Um, this made me so upset that I had my favorite. My favorite rat was B13. And I, I'm not kidding you. This is, <laughs> I mean, we couldn't name them because we weren't supposed to get close to them. So, so bingo rats. Yeah, but B13. And I, I took him home and put him in my garage. I was married at the time. So, of course, my husband was not having this. Um, and sadly, B13 suffered the fate of all of his lab mates. But I, I was so devastated that I'm like, I don't think I want to go into neuroscience. 
Yes. Okay. Wow. Yeah, things you don't know about Dr. Dawn. Well, there it is. There it is. I know. You ask and, and uh, you, uh, yeah. you regret it. I'm telling I, you. I asked. Um, <laughs> you okay. don't even remember the question now. <laughs> from, from, from lab rats to Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah, right. there we go. Great, um, great. Okay, so you so knowing your quizzes, it's, it's not the, the typical answer. So my first answer yep. was cranberry sauce. But I know that's not it. Yep. I'm going to go with the South, and I'm going to say gumbo. Ooh, gumbo. I, can I tell gumbo. you, I gave you a hint, an, a very a very inconspicuous hint. Oh, boy. I did. You you missed it, but when, when I tell you what the answer is, you'll know what that what, hint what, was. What, what was the hint? I can't tell you, because then you'll, cause, cause Dana <laughs> still has to guess, and, and you don't want me to give Dana an advantage, do you? I do not. I didn't yeah, think so. I get the advantage. Come on. <laughs> Dana, what do you think? Okay, so I feel like I did a little research this morning because we are ordering Thanksgiving from a restaurant this year. Um, so I spent this morning looking at various menus. And so based on the menus that I saw, I feel like the third most popular dish would be like some sort of string bean casserole. So that came in fourth, so you're close. See, I knew that would be high on the list, so I didn't think that was it. Yeah, no, it's not I, I know it. That, that, that's like a big common thing. Yeah, it's a big common thing. Um, that wasn't it, but that's why I thought this was weird. Um, all right, Bill, bring it home, bring it home. I'll say corn. Ooh, corn. See, no, um, that, that actually is not, although there were a couple of states I saw that picked cream corn. Okay. I did have another answer. Okay. Go on. Chili. Oh, no. (laughs) No. Well, well, I mean, it's like, that's like a winter football thing. It's It's winter. It's football on Thanksgiving. Those, both of those go with Thanksgiving. Oh, and I'm supposed to know this. (laughs) What did you say, Dana? Mac and cheese? Yes. Really? That was oh, my first answer. Because I said, we're going to noodle on it. I thought I was giving you yeah, such a big hit. But no, see, I my initial thought was mac and cheese, but I, that's common to me. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. Oh. I missed the common part. Yeah. <laughs> well, interestingly, from Delaware down through Georgia, everybody likes their mac and cheese. Yes. I, well, I didn't that's grow up there. I d- oh, that's right. You're in Jersey. I'm in Jersey. <laughs> I'm in Jersey. We probably pick green bean casserole. But, um, so odd choices were Indiana with deviled eggs. I like deviled eggs, but I'm just finding that hard to be like that, that, that popular. That's barbecue food. Yeah, in Maine with a side salad. Again, healthy. I love a side salad, but again, not at Thanksgiving. N- no Maine. Yeah. (laughs) Maine's out. Maine's out. (laughs) Anyway, well, this will be an interesting Thanksgiving. I'll probably be eating pizza rolls. I'm really upset about this because I had the answer, (laughs) but I I, I thought it was common. Like, I thought everybody had mac and cheese, but apparently that's Delaware and Dow. You know, I was just telling my mom about you this weekend. I was like, I don't think I know Dion very well after five years. I'm like, I need to get to know Dion. I feel like... We had a conversation a few days, a couple of weeks ago, where we realized you don't know me that well. I know, I know. I mean, you know about my my B13, you know a lot about me. B13 is going to live on this show for a while. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. Hey, you got a question about your career, or do you want to share what your third favorite side dish at Thanksgiving is? We want to hear from you at eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. You are listening to SiriusXM Channel One Thirty Two, and we are talking all about how to make a career switch or get a new job in twenty twenty one. Or sooner, if you like. (laughs) We're here with Bill Leonard, the employment matchmaker, and we're talking about um, various things related to networking, building your relationships, how to do a pre-mortem on your career, which I love. If you missed that part of the show, you definitely have to follow Bill and and his articles because that's a great one if you're a job seeker. How to form a job club, another great thing we've talked about. So, So, Bill, I often get this question from people um, when they're applying to large companies, they're like, can I apply to multiple jobs at one company, or is that looked at negatively? Well, I mean, my question to you know, a client of mine who would be asking me that is, you know, I thought you wanted one job, not multiple jobs, right? So, you know, you can certainly do that, but you're going to create twice the work, right? Maybe two different hiring managers. Now, it certainly increases your odds the more jobs you apply to, but you know, again, from the hiring manager's perspective, you know, hey, I saw you applied to three other jobs here. Do you really want the job that I'm interviewing for? 
So that's something you need to keep in your mind also. And it's tough to know because I think some of these big companies, I mean, you wonder, do they even share this data? Um, I know that that some companies do. Some companies even ask, have you applied here before? But some of these large companies have the same jobs um, or very, very similar jobs in different departments or in different locations. And now that people um, are able to work remotely and I'm seeing more and more of these advertisements say, hey, you don't have to work in the main office. You can work in one of our satellite offices or you can you know, work remotely. Um, I'm wondering if this is changing at all. Well, I, th- I think it will. And I, th- I think employers understand that the, the labor market has shifted and will continue to shift. And I think they're going to be a little bit more open uh, to these remote work opportunities, flexible arrangements. And, you know, they might circle back to candidates who they've bypassed in the past, right? So, you know, maybe uh, they, you didn't get hired uh, for a particular reason a year ago, but things change, right? Different hiring managers come on board, different recruiters, um, companies pivot. So, you know, you may be able to get a job where you were turned down previously. You have to be open to it. You have to continue to be professional and support the organization, you know, continue to follow up when opportunities present themselves. But just because you were turned down once doesn't mean you're going to get turned down again. Um, I think that's really, really important for people to know if they truly want to work for a company or interested in a very particular job, you could circle back because things change. And I think now employers are going to be open to taking a second look at candidates who maybe they turned down in the past um, if, if that candidate um, you know, meets their needs. And I would also uh, say that you know, now that obviously things are shifting so much, um, you know, these companies are looking at at people uh, from a variety of different standpoints. But if you were a candidate who made it to the top uh two to three people. So maybe you you were told that, hey, you know, you, you lost out by one person, you came in second or something like that. I, I would take that message very seriously because they've put you through a series of interviews. You came down to the top two or three, which meant they felt you were very qualified. They felt you were a fit. But for whatever reason, this other person maybe had the, the one extra thing that they wanted. But if you've gotten that far, and you really want to work for that company, I would maintain that relationship. And I would not take that as a negative. I would say, you know, I appreciate that. I certainly respect that um, there's another candidate who, who you know, had X. But I'm very, very interested in continuing this relationship. And if a similar opportunity arises, I'd love to stay in touch. Because they've already gone through the hoops with you. They've already gone through all these steps, which means that, you know, you're on the short list. So don't, don't overlook that. That's such a great thing. And Donna did write an article uh, about this exact situation, Um, so it it is on my website, but it's titled uh, Four Actions to Go from Not Selected to Reapproach. So absolutely, you know, but it's it's up to the candidate, right? It's up to the job seeker to maintain those relationships, um, get better connected, continue to be supportive of the organization, be gracious, right? And and finally, be open-minded. So it absolutely can happen. It absolutely does happen. But it's up to the candidate to drive that. And sometimes, like, let's face it, it doesn't work out. Maybe the candidate who accepted after a few months decides it's not a great fit. I mean, so many things can happen that if you've gotten to that level in the job search, I think you have to look at that as a win, especially in today's competitive market, and maintain that relationship because I think I think you are definitely, definitely um, on the short list and have a good chance of getting to uh, a place where they make you an offer. 844-942-7866. You're listening to SiriusXM channel 132 we are excited that it's open calls all hour today on sirius xm 132 at 844-942-7866 so something else you talked about um that i that i have seen more and more bill is that um if you've been for example volunteering on a political campaign for the last several months maybe years feels like years um you know, is this a good skill to add? And what are some of the, the drawbacks of potentially adding that? Because I know a lot of people have been using their time in this way, and it's certainly a very powerful skill set and can be can be helpful to your candidacy, but there are also aspects of it that may be hurtful. So can you, can you share your thoughts around, should you add this to your social media, your resume, and, and what do you need to be thinking about if you do? Sure. And the reason I wrote about this is because I had this experience from years ago running campaigns. 
And so, you know, this opened me up to all of the opportunities that exist. So if if you don't have a skill set or you're told that you don't have a skill set for a job, um, you know, just think about all of the skills you can develop in a campaign, right? You could could be a fundraiser. You could be a researcher. You could be a data manager, uh, social media and communication staff. You could learn how to persuade voters. So if you want to go into sales, you know, you could volunteer to literally go door to door to call people on the phone and learn how to persuade them to vote for your candidate. Um, you know, you could write speeches and policy papers and talking points as part of the communications team. You know, think about fundraising, right? So if you want to get into fundraising professionally but don't have those skills, you could volunteer and do it on a campaign, build those skill sets. Then you could leverage that. You could use it on your resume. You could use it on your LinkedIn. Now, obviously, you want to be careful about being too uh, partisan about how you present that information, obviously, because you don't know who's going to be reading it or what the beliefs are of either that recruiter, that hiring manager, or that company. But I do think it's important if you don't have the the professional skill set to show that you've gained these skills. Uh, through volunteering on a campaign, and it shows that you're involved in the community as well. So I do think it's a win-win, but I I do agree. You don't want to be too partisan with the way you present the information. And I think that that extends, Bill, to all volunteering. So mm-hmm. so I think a lot of people think, <clears throat> excuse me, when they're filling out their LinkedIn or whatever, it's like experience means paid experience. But it doesn't. It means experience of you applying skills in the workforce. So there's a lot of other places you can get that experience, right? Absolutely. And, you know, another way, a reason I love, you know, volunteering to gain skills is, you know, you could do that to, you know, help out your leadership skills, right? So maybe you've never been in management or leadership before. Uh, so that is a way for you to demonstrate that you're a leader, right? So maybe you were selected to be the head of a committee or an initiative or, you, you know, to run an event. Those are leadership skills that, you know, you could get creative with and use on your resume and LinkedIn to say, well, you know, I don't have I've never managed people in a professional setting before, but I've run a campaign overseeing a staff of 15, or I you know, ran an event where there were 25 people who were reporting to me. Like, I think that is huge, and people need to think a little bit more creatively about how they present themselves and their skills if the market is saying that you lack a certain skill set. Yeah, not to mention that it's a great way to network, build new circles mm-hmm. and connections and get more leads. So I am very pro, pro-volunteering. And Bill, it's been so great to have you on the show. One last time, can you let people know where they can find you, where they can find all these fantastic articles and learn more about you? Sure. LeonardWorkforceSolutions.com is my website. Um, you could find me on LinkedIn, Bill Leonard and Scranton, PA, and on Twitter at the Bill Leonard. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for being here with us today, Bill, and for sharing all of your sage advice. Of course, a big thank you to Dana and Dion and all of our listeners and callers. We are here for you every single Thursday on SiriusXM channel 132, taking your calls live on Thursdays. And if you've missed the show, you can certainly download the SiriusXM app and find it there. And until then, if you want to follow me on Twitter at Dr. Don Graham to stay informed about all the things we have up and coming, then I look forward to seeing you there. Have a fantastic Thanksgiving holiday for those of you who are celebrating, especially those of you who eat mac and cheese, and we will see you next time. Insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.